connection to East Bay youth. For tickets and more information, visit winewomensong.org or call 510-865-5060. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3.30. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover with Javelin Richards. Open book with Javelin's Bistro. Uh, you're listening to a song from Mary Watkins' opera, uh, The River, Dark River. I'm here in the studio with Martha Richards, who produced the opera, and with Mary herself. And the theme of this is the story of Fannie Lou Hamer. We're going to discuss the work, how it came about, and the implications of it is today in the 21st century. Uh, that song is what was she wrote in honor of Mary Lou, speaking in front of the DNC conference in 1964. I'd like to welcome my guests, Martha and Mary, to the studio at KPFA. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. And Martha's going to have to run out to another meeting, so we're going to start with her uh, and talk about her role as a producer. What did it mean to you, Martha? Why was this work important to you? Um, Martha, again, is the executive uh, director of Women Arts. Thank you, Javelin. Uh, this uh, piece, I, first of all, I had been a fan of Mary Watkins' music for a long time. Uh, I had known her when she was a pop musician back in the 70s, working with the Olivia Records, and then had been a huge fan. <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, and, so, and then in 2009, when I saw an article in the paper saying that she had written an opera about Fannie Lou Hamer, the civil rights leader who had led a lot of the work about voting rights uh, helping to obtain the Voting Rights Act of 1965, uh, she, I, I definitely wanted to go see it. And then I discovered to my joy and pleasure that Mary's, in fact, a classically trained musician uh, who's written other operas and other uh, orchestral works as well. Uh, so this piece, though, really moved me. I mean, Fannie Lou Hamer's story is so powerful. This is a woman who uh, had nothing. She had sixth grade education, uh, but and was uh, daughter of sharecroppers. Uh, but she became a national leader in the civil rights movement alongside Martin Luther King and others. Uh, she was there were times when she was beaten nearly to death by the police she was one of the first african-american women or african-americans period to register to vote in mississippi which at that time was just an extra incredibly brave and courageous act uh, so she registered to vote and then she became involved in a lot of demonstrations related to voting uh, and obtaining voting rights uh, this was the period of the freedom riders coming to uh, the south to, from the north to to help that movement and so she was very 
very involved with that. Uh, she was a woman who had a very strong religious uh, belief, and she often sang hymns and other songs at rallies. So it made sense in some ways to make an opera about her, first of all because she was a musical person herself, but also because she her story is is operatic in in scope that she she started from such a difficult background and she overcame so many difficulties in terms of being beaten or kicked or called names or whatever and she just stood her ground over and over and over she stood her ground and that i think that's what really moved me the most to see a woman in particular a woman doing that and and fighting so hard for her people and being willing to make whatever sacrifices it took to get those voting rights that she knew they needed and a lot of women from the civil rights movement from a dialogue you have i've had in the past martha did not have the the platform particularly fast forward in today's history they did their work but there was not a lot of around putting them in the forefront. Right, right. And this this opera was mounted what year? Uh, 2009 was the first. So uh, that's why you know I find it very interesting that right now we're kind of looking at the same narrative being told that women, particularly in Black Lives Matter, are t- being in the forefront of that. We're looking at voter rights being taken away. We're looking at the uh, Democratic uh, Convention and, and and their need to be to share the voices of, uh, as I heard this morning, the women uh, whose children were killed were there at the conference to speak on that, the convention. Right. And so there's some similar uh, patterns that I'm witnessing, which is why I called you, Mary, to ask you to, to come to the station, talk to me, so we can get a sense of how this narrative has been existing for a while. And if anyone has any thoughts or to add on a discussion, please call. It is a call-in show, as you always know. When I'm on the air, I try to let you be my co-host. That number is 510-848-4425. And so how how was... It received when it was first mount, uh, mounted, Martha. Uh, yeah, a, a different group actually mounted the October 2009. That was the Oakland Opera Theater, and it was very well received. I mean, I think for me, going to the theater was an experience in itself because it was almost entirely uh, a much larger African-American audience than I ever see. If you go to the San Francisco Opera, you rarely see any people of color in the audience or on stage for that matter. So it uh, really was very refreshing and wonderful to see a cast of something like 50 15 African-American performers who had excellent voices and then to be with the audience as well. Uh, then I, Women Arts produced it in uh, at Mount Holyoke College in Western Massachusetts in uh, 2014, I guess, and then again in Atlanta in April of 2016. And and for the Atlanta uh, performance, it was really fun. Virgie Hamer, uh, Fannie Lou Hamer's daughter, uh, came and we had a wonderful time talking with her uh, as well. Mary, welcome. What inspired you to take on this here challenge as a composer, pianist, that, uh, as I understand, your earlier roots was in pop and jazz, and then you made this switch for such an incredible story? Well, um, first of all, the civil rights movement was very large in scope. I mean... uh, so much bigger than any one of us. Um, and I always, you know, I'll tell you what really started this. I read um, Taylor Branch's um, Parting Waters. That was the first in a trilogy of uh, chronicling the um, civil rights movement. And the book was really well written. And 
it just it, there was just so much drama and it was it was real but there was so much drama i just felt music all through it and and part of it was the fact that um the I, the movement was spiritually based people sang their way through their fear and um in a way that just to me it, it it was befitting to set that in in uh op in an operatic setting it was it was a grand movement so tell us about the process for you like the process of writing it and the choices you were making and the parts of her life that you felt was important to put on stage in this form well let me first say that um when I was approached about doing this opera, or doing an opera, and it was to be about the civil rights movement, <clears throat> and um, I didn't really know who to focus on, or, or exactly what part of the movement to focus on. I finally arrived at Fannie Lou Hamer after reading a lot of books, and reading about different leaders in, in the movement. and um, The... Um, I f just put the question to me again. What, when you began to create, the, you were first approached, to, first of all, to, to do an opera, yeah, and that was yeah. by who? That was Oak, uh, Oakland Opera. Oakland, Oakland Opera. Opera. Obviously respected and honored your work. They'd seen previous work? Uh, I had done uh, some work uh, on a previous uh, opera called Queen Clara. That was about Clara Barton, uh, the civil... Um, Red Cross, founder of the Red Cross. So the question that I was asking you in terms of when you, how did you choose, out of reading her story, doing research in her life, how did you choose the aspects to focus on? Well, one thing I wanted to make sure that it followed pretty much the, her, the public's knowledge of who Fannie Lou was. In other words, I didn't want to get into, I, I didn't want to misrepresent her in any way. And so... I've watched a lot of films, I've read a lot of books, and uh, two of the books that I focused on uh, was, um, were, um, uh, This Little Light of Mine by Kay Mills, and For Freedom's Sake, and that was by Chana Kai Lee. And uh, I went through the book, and I underlined, and I made little notes, uh, musical notes, by certain uh, passages in the book because it just it it sang to me you know it's like this ha has to become part of the opera and it makes sense as you shared that a lot of the civil rights movement was uh, music based that they they use music to get through some of the pain so Martha I know that you'll be leaving but uh, when you I know you produced the work you and Mary have been friends for a while you admired her at certain points of her own history when you saw it on stage for the first time what was that like for you to not just to know who Fanny was, mm -hmm. but now to see the details being brought out by the cast of characters and their mm -hmm. their vocalities and what they brought to the table? What was your emotional experience? You know, I go to theaters, you know, all the time, and I see all sorts of other performances for my whole 
career. And every now and then, there's a show where uh, Emily Dickinson had something about it, the, a poem that could just blow the top of your head off. And that was sort of how I felt when I was watching Mary's opera, that it's that combination of the very, very beautiful music uh, and the, the storyline that's so powerful. I just... It just felt like this incredible work of art to me that needed to be seen by a much wider audience. I mean, it, and it's that's the main thing that motivates me is you know how do I get the best possible work uh, by women out? You know, and it, this is a story that's definitely from a woman's perspective. I mean, you can tell there's one song in it that I that's one of my favorite songs where Pap, the Fanny's husband, is singing to her, and they've they've had this conversation about she's going to go do voting rights uh, work, and he's kind of mad at her because. Uh, you know, it's very dangerous and he's worried the family is going to be in danger and uh, he says you're so hard-headed and she says you knew that when he married me <laughs> and then he sings this lovely song about yes you're so stubborn and I love you so much you're a beautiful hard-headed woman and I just sort of started crying when I heard that song the first time or, which wasn't actually until Mount Holyoke performs, but <laughs> it was because she added it but it, it just it's how where do you ever hear a song with a man singing to a woman saying I love you because you're so strong and you're so stubborn and you're so fixed in your beliefs. I mean, you just don't. I mean, and and that's, I think, Mary's wonderful gift and her, you know, you can see her perspective really bringing the story forward and that we're going to have people around Fannie Lou that love her for her actual, which probably was the case. I mean, I think people did love her for being a strong person, but you, you just don't ever see that explored in an artwork. So that's, that's one of the things I loved about it and also one of the things Mary talks about a lot is that just the she wanted to capture the dignity of the way these characters moved the way these people moved through their lives uh, and and I think she really does that in the libretto and the storyline that it's just you feel the that they loved each other that they were uh, strong in their convictions and that they just moved forward in spite of many obstacles and, and I found it very very inspiring and some of the YouTube clips can be found on the Women's Arts website. Yeah, if you go, yeah, if you actually, you could go directly to youtube.com slash womenarts and you'll find some of the clips from the Mount Holyoke performance. And if you go to the Women Arts website, uh, you can find from the homepage, there's an icon that you can click on to get to a lot of information about the opera. We have the plot synopsis up there and we have clips, audio clips, and we have uh, links to the video clips and so, and so on. So some of you who know the listening audience, KPFA, you're in the studio with uh, Javelin Javelin Culver's book. We're listening to Martha Richards and Mary Watkins speaking about Dark River, the Fannie Lou Hummer story. And so we'll take a music break. Martha's going to run off. I want to say thank you, Martha. I'm aware of the time. Uh, we'll take a musical break and listen to another excerpt from the opera. Uh, thank you, Martha, for being with us. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank 
song from the opera Dark River that was written by Mary Watkins and also who uh, that um, we just spoke about her husband and so eloquently that Martha described what made brought her to tears uh, hearing that song which we rarely hear the story of a man who has love for a woman who is stubborn who is strong who is determined to get towards freedom for all so now, Mary, I asked Martha what she felt like, what witnessed it on stage for the first time. So you wrote it, you did you, as you shared with our audience, you made all the notes as you went through some of the research musical notes. What was it like for you to actually sit there in the audience and to, to witness it unfold before you? Well, it was thrilling. Of course, as the, as the creator of it, I, um, you know, I was very probably super critical of every little thing that I thought could have been better. But I was actually uh, totally thrilled. I mean, I was just on a cloud for days. Um, It worked. I I felt that they did a wonderful job. Who were some of the people that were inside of the the musicians, the the vocalists? Uh, Raina Parks... uh, was played the role of Fanny Lou Hamer. She's a soprano. She's a beautiful soprano. She um, it's the one that's singing on uh, "Is This America" that that we started the program with. Uh, her husband was, or and in real life, but in the in the opera is Joe Parks, who's a beautiful a baritone. And then we had uh, we had a pretty large cast actually people we had some people have to double I can't, I didn't bring a program okay. with all their names okay. but yeah it was very exciting working with them. Is there a part of the research process and the creation of this opera that you as an African American woman that became difficult to you to even to endure? In the, even though the creative process is, is is wonderful and fulfilling, you're talking about a, a real life mm-hmm. of a woman whose life was threatened, beaten, land taken, taken from her family. Was there a struggle for you? Yeah. Shocking in the research. There were places. There were times when I went through a period of being uh, angry a lot and uh, just kind of... It just was a state of being over a period, a very short period of time. But I was angry a lot and uh, somewhat a little bit depressed. You know, I, 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 what people went through was just inhuman. I mean, it was fast forward today. Yeah, yeah. That inhumane, that inhumane. Um, Narrative yeah. story still being played out. It's just now being televised and recorded to that degree. Yeah. And you chose, well, you were asked to do opera. Did you feel it all because, because of the stereotypes that we've been in, um, induced with? Like, black folks don't swim, black folks don't do opera. And a lot of it has to do with alienating, and a lot of that has to do with classism. Because oh, opera yes. would in terms of the, yes. the yeah the classes and the money it takes to go to the opera and those who do, did you feel in the process that oh, black folks won't show up, 
or would they, or what would happen, or those who even didn't have a clue who this incredible woman was necessarily, because we're such a 15-minute of fame kind of a, a, of self, and if if it's not Malcolm or Martin or someone else, it's like, well, who did you have concerns that people, they were isolated? People I found that didn't know who Fannie Lou Hamer was. A lot of people didn't. A few, but most people didn't really know who she was, and um, I was. I wanted, I wanted the uh, black people to be there to sort of celebrate our our lives. But I also did this not just for black people. I did this because I wanted to um, educate uh, people on uh, an artistic level uh, to express the spirituality the uh, the violence the all of the things that people went through it's uh, you watch it on tv but you only watch it from that perspective and you don't really get you know the the stuff that music can bring out that you're not going to get that on tv you get the immediate emotions emotional landscape of the characters as they're singing it yeah you get the inner life of the movement and the people in it which is a lot of strength. What are you going to be doing in the future? What's your next project? And the last few minutes together. Well, I have done another opera, and uh, this this was commissioned by a, a librettist. She, uh, this is about Emmett Till. The name of the opera is Emmett Till. Oh my God! She wrote a play about Emmett Till, mm-hmm. and um, I saw the play, and it was a very good play. She just won a couple of awards. Um, I finished that opera, and we're in the process now of of we're talking to some people in New York about the possibility of doing it. It's very timely. Audience, again, we, all, we I don't want us to assume that we know um, Emmett Till. Yeah, so just give us a Emmett brief. Till is oh that is probably he was a fourteen year old a young black man from Chicago who had gone to Mississippi to visit his relatives, his uncle. Um, Gosh, um, his uncle and aunt down there. In, in fact, it was his mother's uncle and aunt and cousins. And I wasn't there very long. And he um, was murdered. He was brutally murdered by two adult white men, uh, supposedly for the crime of whistling at one of these men, his uh, wife, in a store where he went to get some you know, a candy bar or something like that. And she claimed he whistled at her. Well, even if he did, you don't kill people for that. Um, so it's the story of what they went through, what his mother, Mamie Till, um, what, how she made the decisions about what to do, like showing his body having a, an open casket at his funeral. And he was totally disfigured. You would just never... Re- the only way she could recognize him was he had his father's ring on. And uh, it was a, a horrible, horrible um, tragedy. And it was one that had repercussions all over the world. I mean, people heard about this all over the world. And it was the murder of Emmett Till, really that uh, sort of galvanized uh, a lot of the people, and especially Fannie Lou Hamer, in the 60s uh, to fight for their right to vote. 
uh, you know, this uh, and also uh, the Rosa Parks thing where uh, people um, walk to work for all, a year, uh, boycott the boycott. Um, people were galvanized by that, you know. You're listening to Mary Watkins, who wrote the opera Dark River, and she's speaking about the new opera that she's just completed. I'm Javelin Richards with Cover to Cover Open Book, Javelin's Bistro. Mary, the tell us about your musical background, pop, jazz, opera. Well, I started out, I mean, I, when I was a kid... Uh, I was really young. My mother thought it would be a great idea to have a little girl who could play the piano. And I didn't know if I thought it was all that much of a, a great idea, but, you know, it's that's just what my life has been. And I, I took to it. I mean, I just it was natural to me. And I don't know at what point I thought I should write my own music, but it was pretty early because I just always liked to, you know, I played what I heard. What I heard and liked, I would play it. And by ear, and then, but I also learned to read, and because of that, I was able to write to uh, what I wanted to hear, and um, I was, you know, took uh, played the trumpet and in in band and in junior high, and then I switched, believe it of all things, to the tuba, and I also played the violin. <laughs> oh my god! So and none, I didn't play any of the. Well, I played the tuba very well. I mean, you know, I, somehow I was able, I was a good, good, solid tuba player, but uh, I wasn't a very good violinist, but I enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, and I majored in music uh, when I went to college, and I decided uh, after a couple of years of m music education that I wanted to major in composition, because this is what excited me. This is what turned me on, and this felt like me, and what made me decide that was I heard a recording you know for the first time really of some of the great uh, masters you know Beethoven and Haydn I think we were listening to uh, uh, Beethoven's uh, third symphony and I thought you know I want to do that <laughs> and uh, I had no reason ever to think I could do it or that anybody would ever take me seriously after all I'd never heard of a woman composer and I hadn't even thought about the fact that I'd never heard of one. I just—that's what I want to do. And uh, and a, spe a black composer? No, I hadn't heard of anything like that. Uh, that that didn't stop me either. Not I said, well, you, I'll be the first one. Right. You know? So there's now that you've mentioned that, how many black female composers? How many female composers exist now, to your knowledge, if if you know that? Well, there—I don't know exactly how many, but there are many now. But still, they're not really prominent they're not out there the 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 general uh, public doesn't know about them but there are many uh, um and some really fine composers and there are black composers but you know we're still in the small minority we're still a small minority have you uh, in uh, contemporary history right now is there anyone that you if you could that you find interesting that you think their life is worth doing an opera around just Anyone could be somebody at the store that you just listen to their life. And you say, you know what, this is a music, a, move, a moving up. Well, you know, from time things that happen, things that happen in the news, or 
different things. I I think like that. I just at the moment haven't. I I can't think of anyone I've thought of in particular right now. But at one time I thought though that the drama that uh, Bill Clinton was going through uh, when they uh, tried to or when they impeached him, I thought, boy, this sure would make a good one. Uh, but of course, things have gotten even more intense since he was in office. So <laughs> I, I think we have quite a lot uh, to draw from, you know, if you want drama. What about jazz in your life now, pop music? Well, uh, I like jazz. I like playing. I like playing jazz. Um, I uh, my my first love and I, where I feel most complete is when I'm writing. And I like big forms, you know, opera or symphony or something. You know, it's a big form. I like big form. <laughs> That's Mary Watkins. Thank you for joining in on this conversation, KPFA listeners. I will see you in a couple of weeks. This is Javelin Richards of Javelin's Cover to Cover Bistro. See you soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Erica. Bye-bye. Statement from a local station board candidate. The views expressed are not those of KPFA management or staff. Amandla, I'm Andrea Turner, a candidate for the local station board. As a former local station board member, join me and the SaveKPFA.org slate as we reach out to you and work with you to build and strengthen our airways. A vote for me is a vote for your voice and save KPFA and Pacifica. Vote for Andrea, a candidate for the local station board. For more information, go to elections.pacifica.org. And you're listening to 94.1 KPFA and 